0: You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Amen. Grab your seats. Great. Well, who loves a good old-fashioned British seaside holiday? Who loves a seaside holiday? Uh, A couple of summers ago, um, we went down to Bristol. Um, My brother lives there with his family. And while we were down there, we decided to go on a day trip to Western Supermare. Ah, classic, classic British holiday holiday. We did all all the things you would expect of a British holiday, uh, of a seaside British holiday. But one of the things we wanted to do, we wanted to head down the pier to the amusements arcades at the bottom. And uh, we headed down there and we got towards the end and um, there was all sorts of noise. You can imagine it's the summer holidays, it's heaving full of people. There are um, sights and sounds and smells um, that you would expect and... um, as we approached the end, there was just was just a lot of distractions. Um, and uh, we were with, uh, obviously, our little girls, uh, Isabella and Lily. Isabella was only about three years old at this time. And she saw these two characters dressed in frozen outfits. I think we've got a picture. We took a picture of her with them. Look at her. She was like, oh, this is my living my best life. And um, we're all getting distracted by all this, th- this stuff that's going on. And then suddenly, just shortly after this picture was taken... We had one of those moments. We've lost Bella. We've lost Bella. Um, couldn't find her anywhere. We went, You know that realization that you've you've lost your child. It's it's awful. Any parents in the room ever lost a child? Please help me feel better. No, not that many. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> she she uh, she'd gone. So I obviously went into mum panic mode and the adrenaline's going and I'm sending off sending people off. You know, you you check out the pier. There's only one way off apart from the masses of ocean that's around us. <laughs> I ran into the amusements arcade, and I'm shouting at the top of my voice, I can't hear anything. Looking between hundreds of pairs of legs, can't see a little person anywhere. And it's, the time is starting to, to feel like it's going. Um, and so I come back out, and we regroup, still haven't found her, and then we realise, there she is she's sitting not four meters, not even four meters away from where we've been standing to have this photo, and a little bubble car thing that was enclosed, sitting in like a little ride-on, having the time of her life, Um, completely oblivious to the mayhem that had just gone on around her. Um, And then last week, we lost Lily. We lost Lily. I know, we're doing really well, aren't we? Um, We lost Lily in her grandparents house uh, yes no joke um, we we just she just disappeared and um, we were calling her name no answer checking in all the rooms I had a frantic peer moment oh my goodness um but we found her it was all okay she was uh, hiding in the bathroom grumpy and wanting to be left alone um but but it was a bit of a um a sort of flashback <laughs> to the peer moment nowhere near as traumatic um but it just just got me thinking, you know, as a parent, we have this protectiveness over our children, don't we? As mothers, we've made them and we've grown them. As parents, we've, you know, raised them and given them everything that they need. And we know our children intimately and we love them unconditionally. And so, of course, when we feel like we've lost them, we're going to search high and low for them. And uh, God knows us in an in an intimate way, even more so. And this morning, I want to talk about how to cultivate intimacy with God. Um, and first and foremost, I want to look at how we start. Sorry, we're going to start with looking at how God knows us intimately. That's a great way um, to start this story. So in Psalm 139, you may know it, you may be familiar with Psalm 139, but it's just so beautiful it's just um, describing how God knows us. So we're going to read um, Psalm 139 and pick out some verses. So it says, "You have searched me Lord and you know me and you know when I sit and when I rise you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down and you are familiar with all my ways And this really talks about our physical whereabouts. He knows our health at all times. In the Amplified Version, it says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, my entire life, everything that I do. And then it carries on in verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Again, in the the Amplified Version, it says, um, even before there is a word on my tongue, still unspoken. He knows our mental state. He knows what's going on in our minds at all times. And then we flick down to verses 7 and 8. And it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. There is nowhere we can escape God in the spiritual realm as well. No, nowhere that we can go. And then later on in 11 and 12, it says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you, for the night will shine like the day, and his darkness is as light to you. So even even the spiritual darkness, we can't get away from God. He is always there. So we know that he knows us. We know that we know intimately, intricately, way more than our earthly parents know us, way more than we can know our own children. In fact, he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he shaped us he made us with his own hands and his own creativity, and that blows me away. I don't know about you, but just to soak in that, and I would encourage you to read all of Psalm 139 in your own time and really soak in, put yourself in that, in that psalm. So what does this all mean? It means we can never be lost, not like me losing the girls. It means we can never be hidden from God. We can't ever escape for good or for bad, we can't wander where he can't find us. And when we entered into this relationship with him as a Christian, we found our home in him, never to be lost again. And this intimacy, this knownness by God, it's uh, something that can never be undone. And it's summed up in Romans 8 where it says, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So we know that we can be confident in this, that God knows us, loves us, um, as intimately acquainted with, with everything about us. Um, and uh, that's, that should be a reassurance to us um, that he is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to move on, and we've looked at um, how God knows us intimately, but we're going to look at how can we cultivate intimacy with God? How can we grow in that intimacy with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? So when God knows, God knew us, when we became a Christian. He knows us all the time, but when we became a Christian, our life became about knowing him. It says in James 4, verse 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. So how do we cultivate intimacy? So I'm going to use a bit of agricultural farming terms. Um, I know, I know any farmers in the room, I know there is some farmers (laughs) in the room. Um, So you can tell me whether I've got this right. But, um, When we're talking about uh, agriculture or gardening, to cultivate means to prepare the soil or land for crops or for growing flowers. Um, And so when we're looking at intimacy, how do we cultivate that? It's something that we can cultivate, preparing the ground of our faith, and it's something we should be growing in. And so there are three ways I want to look at this look at this. Um, But some of them are, well, they're all based on my experience. um, But they're not exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. There are other ways you can cultivate intimacy. But we're going to look at these three. And they may seem a bit unglamorous. um, But they produce a faith in God that is um, amazing, a relationship that is fun, that is um, on fire, that feels like an adventure. Um, And I've been through a couple of years of kind of having my own personal revival of um, growing closer in my relationship with God and and coming, you know, and I'm able to say this, that when you're living that really intimate relationship with God, you have to pinch yourself. I'm in a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so as we dig into these points, um, I want us also to remember and to bear in mind that at all times, in all things, we have the Holy Spirit. If we've accepted Jesus into our life, we have the Holy Spirit who lives within us, who literally can't be any more intimate than dwelling within us. And he is our closest companion. He's our encourager. He's our counselor. And yet, even so, even with the Holy Spirit living within within us, there are still layers of intimacy that we can discover. So we're going to look at the first one of these three. How do we cultivate intimacy with God? And the first one, I told you it was... Um, not glamorous, is trials, trials. And so going back to our agriculture kind of um, example, this is like, going through trials is like toiling, breaking up the hard ground, things you have to break through, things you have to struggle through, things that you have to kind of loosen up the soil ready to receive. And I can't think of a better person in the Bible than Jacob. Um, Old Testament. Um, and in Genesis 32, we read where Jacob literally wrestles with God. And it's an incredible story. Jacob has found himself in um, in the middle. He's in between lands. He's in between places. Um, he's got relational difficulties going on. He's homeless. Um, and he, he's coming from a place where he's He's had some struggles with his father-in-law. He's about to go into a land where he's about to meet his estranged um, uh, brother, who earlier in the story we read um, deceived his own father by robbing Esau of the inheritance. And so what we can gauge from this is Jacob is uh, really in a rough place. He's in a tough situation. He's stuck in the middle and he's got troubles all around him. And I guess we can feel like that with our own trials and and struggles, that we can feel that we're lost in that moment, uh, that we're surrounded. But we read that Jacob had this experience where he literally wrestles with God, and it's an incredibly intimate moment. And we're going to read from Genesis 32, 24. It says, so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with human beings and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there, so Jacob called the called the place Peniel, saying, "It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared." And I love this story um, because it's a story of, of of Jacob going through rough times, tough times of testing and struggle. And um, for ourselves, it's a, it raises the question: What do we do when we're going through those times? Do we lean away from God or do we lean into God? And I know from my own experience that when we lean into God and have wrestled through those difficulties, that God is so faithful if we hold on to him. And this is what Jacob did. He held on to God. He was not willing to leave that situation and that encounter the same way he entered it. He did not accept his condition, but the encounter with God Um, sorry, he did not accept that condition, but said to God, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he was so persistent. And it's just such an encouragement to us that when we're going through these trials and struggles, God has something in store for us as well. God ended up changing Jacob's name uh, to Israel. He developed a character trait of perseverance, and he called him an overcomer. And in our trials, there are... um, new things to discover about ourselves, um, and there are, um, there's an opportunity to overcome. And in terms of our intimacy, what, what better way to grow closer to God than to struggle with him, to be intimate with him in those moments? And there is a blessing on the other side of those trials, um, and we come out the other side in a closer relationship with him. Um, How can you not go through a trial um, and lean into God and not come out the other side changed? And um, I've got a personal experience of this. Um, um, I was married before, and that marriage broke down. And it was an awful time of of, um, being lied to, being um, uh, loads of deception, an awful, awful time, an awful time of heartbreak. Um, But God met me. I, I decided to lean in to who God was and and struggle through that situation. And he was incredibly faithful. God was faithful in that time. And I remember um, it really is true when when it says um, God will be close to the brokenhearted. It's it's so true Um, because I lived on kind of these two kind of planes for a long time. Uh, One was, was kind of leaning into this relationship, drawing so close to him, being incredibly um, having this intimate relationship with him, hearing from him, but also going through the very real situation, the very real uh, practical elements and, and emotions. But God was with me, and it's probably one of the times where I have experienced the closeness of God in a, in a, a really supernatural, amazing way. So there is um, opportunities for us to, go to experience that when we go through trials. So the second one, is prayer. Prayer. And prayer is, when we go back to our agricultural example, is a bit like the air and the water and the nutrients that go into the soil to create the best environment for growth. And so prayer is soaking in to our faith life, creating an environment for intimacy. So we're going to look at someone in the Bible who I'm sure you're familiar with, but it's Moses and his encounter at the burning bush. And this is where um, Moses has an, yeah, has an encounter with God, um, and it's Old Testament, so it's kind of happening physically. But we can learn so much from Moses' interaction with God, his spiritual communion that he has with God at the burning bush. So we're going to just read a little chunk of it from Exodus 3, verses 1 to 4. It says... And Moses said, here I am. And uh, this encounter happens while Moses is out doing his everyday business. He's um, doing what he always does, probably having a very ordinary day. But he takes a moment, and I love this, to notice the extraordinary thing that's happening around him. And he goes over to the burning bush, and he has this encounter He is intentional about pressing into God. And I love that about our every day. We can go about our every day doing what we normally do, but having an awareness that an encounter with God is possible if we're looking for it. supernatural moments where we hear from God. And for Moses, he received so much in that encounter. He received confirmation of who he was, his assignment, um, uh, who God was, um, and it's the same for us. If we walk around our everyday in, in spiritual communion, in, in continual prayer, then there are opportunities for us to hear God, to see God, and to make that supernatural encounter something that happens often, and not just a one-off. And then we can see just listing some things that we can receive when we come to God in prayer. Wisdom, knowledge, calling, direction, revelation, assignment, identity, imparting something to you, something to help you through your day, something where you can be used by others, something that you can drop into people's lives that brings them closer to a relationship with God. So... Moses, as, as well, had intense times of prayer and the, the prayer of meeting. And it's important to have those times where we lock the door and we have those, those moments of prayer. But isn't it amazing that we get to go around our everyday life uh, experiencing with intimacy with God all of the time? And so thirdly, we're going to come to the third one, which is Repentance. Sorry, another unglamorous one. Um, but repentance is so important. And back to our agricultural terming term, it is like the weeds. It's like the weeds that need to come out. What needs to come out to create the best environment for growth? What is the things that are getting in the way of preventing that intimacy? And I love what Judy shared, um, such a, a similar idea, that what what is it that is a barrier? What's getting in the way of our intimacy with God. And we're going to look at Peter, the disciple, one of my favorite characters um, in the Bible. But he, he had two moments, two times of repentance. And the first is when Jesus has just performed the miracle of the miraculous catch of fish. So just before Jesus calls Peter to be a disciple. And he's just performed this miracle. And then it says in Luke 5 verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And he recognized his sinful nature in the presence of a sinless God. He recognized that Jesus was his Messiah. And if you're a Christian, you would have had that moment of repentance yourself, that moment where you realized you were in need of a savior, you were a sinner, and you asked God for forgiveness But secondly, later on, Peter, as we know, denies Jesus three times. Um, And at this point in the story, it's towards the end of Jesus' life. And Jesus, to Peter, has become, was declared as his Lord, but he's also become a great friend as well, an intimate relationship. Friendship is that that closeness. And then in John 21, um, where Jesus has uh, died, he's... Been buried. He's rose again. He's spending some time um, appearing to people before he ascends into heaven, and he appears to the disciples at the water after the resurrection, and he performs the miraculous catch of fish miracle again, um, and I love that he he restores Peter just while they're having breakfast on the beach, and he says three statements: Simon, do you love me? And he's restoring that friendship. He's restoring the intimacy, and each time. He asked that question to Peter. He's given Peter an opportunity re- to repent. And although Peter res- responds with, um, you know I do, I, I know I love you, there is within that statement an acknowledgement that he's done something wrong. And um, if you look at the the first two times that he asks Simon, do you love me? That word love is the word agape, which is the type of love that's sacrificial. You know, do you love me? Do you, would you sacrifice your life to follow me? But in the third statement, the, the word love there is a slightly different uh, meaning. And it, it makes the statement sound more like, are you even my friend? Ouch. <laughs> and that word for love there is more like a brotherly love. And it says in the scripture that Peter was really hurt by that third one, that third question. And I think that's probably because he realized what a rubbish friend he'd been. But Jesus was so faithful, restored him. And it's the same for us, that each time we ask for forgiveness, we declare our love for Jesus. We are in the same way as Peter, being brought closer into friendship and intimacy with him. And so I um, wanted to finish um, today by giving us an opportunity to draw closer to God. It's um, a perfect opportunity to kind of make a statement of faith, to make a commitment that even though you're you already in a relationship with him, there are layer upon layer upon layer of intimacy that we can discover. Um, and that's what I really um hope for you is that you, you discover that there is a closeness, maybe more than you've ever known with with God. And so um, we're going to have a time of encounter, a time of, um, yeah, pressing into him. And so if, if prayer was the first, was the one that really stood out to you, those three ways of cultivating an intimacy with God, then in this time, why don't you just spend some time Praying to God um, and making a commitment uh, to seek God in every moment, every day, every, every moment of your life. And for those wrestling with, with trials and struggle, uh, pain or loss, um, this is a time to, again, to commit to hold on to God through it all um, because we know that God is faithful and it's, it's worth leaning in. And then for the third one, if you've got anything that you need to repent of, anything that you need to ask God for forgiveness, then again, this is an opportunity for you to come to him, to unburden yourself, to draw close to him, to, to give over those things to him, to ask for forgiveness, and um, and you will receive it. And sometimes we think when we've done things wrong or, or we've been, been doing something that we feel has kept us away from God, we feel like we've got to work our way back into the presence of God and into his love. And that is not how God works. That's a lie of the enemy. You don't have to work your way back. You, it's not like you're a distance away from God. And once you, you ask for forgiveness, then it's this long haul back to him. When you ask for forgiveness, you are back in the Father's arms in a moment. And I really felt that that was... Um, for somebody here that that was a, a word that you needed to hear i don't have to work my way back to god um, i feel far away but that's not the truth the truth is when you come to god and you ask him for forgiveness for whatever it is then in a moment you are back in his arms thank you for listening to this podcast from influence church For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.